Welcome to the Creative Tools podcast. My name is Ashay and I'm immensely passionate about using technology for creativity. On this podcast, I talk to various creators about what tools and technology they use to be creative. My guest today is Shambhavi Dandekar. Shambhavi is an Indian classical dance artist practicing a dance form called Kathak. Through her successful career since 1990, Shambhavi has carved a niche for herself as a master performer, choreographer, a successful teacher and art entrepreneur. She is a firm believer of instilling the core values of a good human being in her students through her dance training. Hello Shambhavi, thanks a lot for visiting my podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me, Ashay. Such a non-techie like me. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so my first question is, what do you create? Um, basically, I create uh, dance art. I am a Kathak dancer. Kathak is an Indian classical dance form. And on social media, I create, create content related to Kathak. Uh, it can be performances, it can be uh, just my thoughts and musings, and it can also be uh, some uh, glimpses of the rehearsal sessions. It varies from time to time. Great. Uh, so it looks like the content, uh, so, sorry, uh, the creations that you create are in two forms. One is a physical form of dance and another is digital form, which is on social media, correct? Yes, that's true. And most of the times digital creation is just, a, um, what should I say, just an impression of the, the actual art that I create. Right. Okay, great. Uh, so I want to section this interview into three different parts. Um, so I want to talk about the pre-creation aspect. So before you start creating what happens then the actual creation aspect of it and then the post creation which is after you create what happens uh, to that so let's focus on the pre-creation uh, part first for that uh, my first question is uh, how do you receive inspiration for your creations um well i'll just uh, kind of walk you through how um did I start using social media for uh, projecting my art in the first place? Okay. And also wanted to clarify, uh, when you say, how do I create, do you mean create content on social media or create my art? Both. Both. Okay. So it's going to be quite an extensive answer then. Hmm. So um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful question because uh, my husband, who is a techie and a complete non-artist, he always keeps on asking me, how do I create art and where does the inspiration come from? What are the tools used for it? Hmm. And um, uh, there is no concrete answer to it, at least not, um, I don't have one. Uh, but from what I have um, thought about it, I think uh, for any creation to survive and sustain, uh, the first thing that you need is um, instinct plus training plus tools um, and let me just give you one example for it for example i am an indian classical dancer and i have trained um, throughout my life since i was very young 
which has given me a certain vision into my art form and my training has given me tools and um, there is a lot of inspiration around me that that i call instinct so um, if there's rain outside and i look at the rain and i feel that i can capture this into my art through foot tapping footwork um that's my inspiration but then how do i do it comes through my training and how well do i do it that's that's something that i personally contribute how how i actually capture it that's my personal contribution uh so i think that's um, uh, the creative process in a nutshell for me hmm. um and it of course like you are a creator yourself you know that it's very hard to put your finger on something and say that this is how something is created mm-hmm. it's such a uh, it's versatile combinations of uh, something that is abstract and something that is concrete mm-hmm. um but creative process to me in a nutshell is a combination of all those aspects that i just mentioned and i have tried to um, simplify the answer as far as i could so uh, then mm-hmm. what you said is exactly right uh, there is there are two aspects of uh, well two aspects or two steps in the creation there is an organic inspiration and then there is a very concrete uh, mm-hmm. manifestation of that organic uh, impression and for me those two things are connected by some kind of emotion in between um so uh, however um like for example when i i make films so for film making i'm not necessarily making films all the time but i'm because i make films i watch a lot of films all the time now when i watch films i may find something inspiring and for me to uh, record that inspiration is like i use i text to myself like okay i i found this scene in this series uh, inspiring but my problem is i keep on texting to myself every single day when i actually make film the the uh, the moment of inspiration hitting and the moment of actual creation could be separated by months and years in between so how do i make sure to remember the inspiration that i had 2 years ago is something of a big challenge for me so how have you solved that challenge for yourself um well i think uh, for me i just rely on the fact that if the inspiration is intense enough and if it has hit me really that hard it will stay with me hmm and uh, it will keep haunting me from time to time it will keep coming back to me and probably if it doesn't then it was just that one light hue of color mm. you know a passing phase it came it did something to me and it went not necessarily that it was something so important that i could create something out of it mm. but still it has enriched me as a person and in turn as an artist so definitely it will make some impact on my next creation hmm. but not in a very concrete tangible way uh, in which it would have been if i had created some art based on it or hmm. from it so that's my very simple understanding of this because a lot of times this happens just yesterday i was 
driving and i was thinking about an upcoming project and um a lot of times well for me um, since i am um, really passionate about languages and words um, the first thing that i uh, block is a lot of times the title hmm. and it's very unlike many um, art creations because mostly the title comes in the end yeah but a lot of times title is something uh, that i am fixated fixated about and a title came to me and i was so happy about it when i was driving and then when i reached my destination and i started talking to people after 5 minutes i started recollecting oh you know i i and it had gone mm. it just vanished i could not remember it but with practice with time with life i have now understood that if if it has vanished it wasn't that important after all mm. but then uh, so that means you depend on the intensity of the inspiration that is hitting you uh, for it to come back to you uh, eventually in future is that correct i don't depend on it i just let it flow, flow organically and uh, it will be uh, very untrue if i said that um, in all my art creation i always depend on inspiration because for a professional artist and i think that's the difference between you and me and i really envy you uh, the part that you are not 100% uh, your livelihood does not 100% depend on creating art but mine does so um, a lot of times you have to create because you have to create mm-hmm. you know um, if there is a performance coming up and if i have to have that 90 minute content with me i have to create it i cannot just wait for inspiration hmm and i think that is where training comes into picture my training enables me to create the content even though i don't have that intense of an inspiration to create it so the so i just want to dig little deeper into this uh, so you what you said is right uh, when you have when you have to create it you have to create it but then in that situation uh, it would be important then to record as much inspiration that you get uh, so that you don't have to uh, as i said i mean maybe not depend but i mean the the in- intensity of inspiration could be then secondary because then you would want to record as much inspiration as you can so do you use any recording tools like notebook or uh, your phone or taking pictures something like that to record mm-hmm. inspiration um i do actually um i just use notes from my phone okay and uh, i i will find several notes where i've just kind of written um, a few lines on something or just made a quick note in a few words hmm. but that's there hmm. um do i use it uh most of the times not sometimes yes okay and uh, when you say do i use it so why don't you use it um i don't know one day when i'm just kind of cleaning my notes or when i'm just kind of sifting through them 
maybe i'll come across it and then i will realize that oh this is good let me try this hmm. but as i said for me the process is very organic hmm. and especially i'll tell you one thing so when i lived in india um, and i have been pursuing my performance career in india for about 18 to 20 years and after that i'm um, here in the us for the last 10 years um the work that i do is pretty much the same but the landscape has changed hmm. if you will so um, in india the um, the pace at which i used to work or the pace at which i used to create was like crazy Hmm. and there wasn't even a single period of time when i used to work on just one project at a time hmm. so you know like you need inspiration in multifolds at in such um, uh, scenario yeah as compared to that for the last 10 years i think i'm very comfortable and very happy with my pace of creation because i work on one project at a time and most of the times when i'm ending that project the next i keep i i start thinking about the next one because that's who i am hmm. not necessarily that i'll put all that into action right away hmm. but i'll have something in my mind concrete when one project is finishing up hmm. um that's what normally happens uh, but when you have just one project going on at a time you are not really desperate for um, for inspiration Hmm. you know you can give yourself time like whatever comes to you whatever hits you that hard whatever inspires you that um well then you can start working about it so i i i think that um that um, that concession that i'm able to give myself as a creator i i really love it uh have you ever lost an inspiration that you really really wanted to remember <laughs> many times okay <laughs> and you, you and you are, you are okay with that or <laughs> do, do you do, do do you think uh uh no, maybe some okay some that. some tool or technology might have could have helped you uh, to remember it uh, i think um, it depends from artist to artist the kind of artist that i am i'm quite uh, impulsive in hmm. nature hmm. okay hmm. so if i um if some idea comes to me most of the times uh, if it is really worth it then during the same at the same time or in a matter of day or two i have everything lined up in my in my mm. head the mm. entire plot or mm. the entire presentation mm. and so it's not lost because now i have the production ready yeah. in my head yeah. right and to me it happens at a time uh, so i haven't really come across situations where i started thinking about something and halfway i lost it yeah. so i'm really mad about it that why didn't i note it down mm-hmm. and those one liners which come to me but don't really inspire me to start thinking about them right away i lose them but then i'm really not so mad about it it's okay mm. it's okay. okay so whatever really mattered to me i have not lost mm. because then i don't i just keep on it from the moment i get that idea mm. and get it done mm. that's the type of 
thinker that I am. Hmm. And then you mentioned about Notes app. Uh, so in addition to Notes app, do you also do maybe sketches somewhere or uh, take photos? Like, do you try to... Um, I mean, have you recorded inspiration in like multiple forms in multiple places? I do um, voice notes a lot. Okay. But except uh, word notes and voice notes, I don't use anything else much. Oh, okay. Okay. Or rather not at all. Okay. A lot. I, I do. I uh, click pictures a lot on my iPhone. But I don't think I do that for any inspiration or anything oh, okay. as such. It's just my hobby to do iPhone photography. So I do it a lot. Yeah, okay. Um, so let's, this, this is a great segue to go into the creation uh, part of the interview. Uh, because you mentioned something about uh, the creation being in your head before it is actually physically in front of your eyes, uh, which is exactly what I want to talk about in the creation part of the interview. And I will tell you why I resonated with that concept, because um, in films, uh, I feel the same way. So, um, so in the creation aspect, in my mind, uh, there are usually two major steps that happen. One is you build a prototype of your creation. Uh, and then the second one is shaping a prototype. So the building prototype meaning, when, let's say if I'm making a film, when I draw a storyboard for that film, that is building a prototype. So that is basically uh, pre-visualizing the film in front of my eyes uh, before I actually make it. But while I'm sketching it, the actual film is in my head, like it is forming in my head. It's just not in front of my eyes, but it is forming in my head. And then what happens is the shaping prototype action where um, now I have this media, which is audio, video, music, whatnot. And then the whole process is basically uncovering the creation that is already in my head from that uh, mess that is in front of me. Uh, so it's a process of removal. Like the we say in film editing that film editing is finished when nothing is left to remove, not nothing is left to add. So um, so do you also kind of have the same experience where you build a prototype or pre-visualize in by some manner uh, your creation and then shape it with uh, the, uh, uh, the raw material that you create, uh, get for it? Definitely. I think my process is uh, pretty much the same. Hmm. Uh, it, only that I don't uh, do storyboards. Okay. But I, I have something similar, uh, which I do in front of my closed eyes. Those are my storyboards. So I have this uh, great um, ability, I should say. <laughs> it's a quite a heavy word. But ability to see movements in front of my eyes. Uh, with my eyes closed and mm. I have been doing this since I was very young mm. for example if I am um, if I have a new movement sequence in my head mm. I can literally visualize myself dancing that sequence mm. in my thoughts mm. does it make sense yeah 
so i if i literally close my eyes i can see myself dancing those movements hmm. and that's how i think in my thought i start choreographing things hmm. and the same uh, thing is true for group choreographies as well hmm. now that's my storyboard right. right i'm kind of putting a certain number of things in a rough sequence sure but in addition to that um many times the uh that part of the choreography which um which dictates the climax i am fixated on that first and then everything else kind of builds around it hmm uh for example you just saw smell the roses uh, mm-hmm. contemporary choreography in my performance so the last scene where all the women are um chopping vegetables driving typing uh, taking care of the babies that one sequence where they are completely robotically um, going about their life that was the first one that came to me hmm. and that was the first one that i uh, built on them hmm. as an exercise hmm. but actually in choreography it was towards the end hmm. so that was the culmination but hmm. that's from where i started and then built everything around it and as you said about editing yes um i keep uh, changing the movement sequences i keep doing smaller edits smaller changes um the scenes get rearranged a lot of times the the uh, the um the way in which scenes are placed hmm. that sequencing gets rearranged hmm. there is a lot of editing that i do uh in my choreography and that unfortunately that goes on sometimes uh very very close to the performance hmm. which kind of is a bit um troublesome for the uh dancers in the troupe hmm. but yes uh, i edit a lot so uh the the reason why i have to sketch like i, I will give you my example and then you tell me uh how whether it is the same or different so the reason i have to sketch is because even i can imagine images in my head but i am not the only one who is going to make them appear because i have to convey them to my cinematographer i have to convey them to my uh, talent in front of the camera i have to convey them to my prop artist so i have to be able to convey the image that i am seeing in my head to let's say 10 different people who have 10 different functions um from uh, coming coming out of that image um and that's why i have to put it in the some kind of pre visualization uh form uh, for them uh so for you uh when you are storyboarding in your head but then when you uh, when when you are not alone dancing on stage but you have to convey that movement to your troupe or your artists how would you do that then um do you what tools do you use to convey the imagery that you are seeing in your head to them i uh, 99.9% of the times i use only words okay 
and uh, i think um, as dancers all of us are trained to visualize very quickly hmm so um even the members of my troupe being dancers trained dancers i think when i'm saying something to them through words they are also painting their own picture hmm. in their head hmm. so uh, i think it's just different from field to field hmm. one creative field to the to another yeah. that yeah. that's what i am uh, kind of inferring here yeah yeah um so the most i would write on a paper is in a group choreography how would i place my dancers for uh, for a particular part of choreography mm. like the formations is mm. the crude word mm. so um i would note down the formations and i would pass them on to the troupe mm. just to understand the the positioning mm. Mm. Uh, and th- that's all about it mm. you know but apart from that um i do make my dancers write their own thoughts sometimes especially it is if it is something that is very close to uh, their own selves hmm. so writing is a part of it but that's again not connected to storyboarding right hmm. Hmm. so uh, since this is a stage performance that you are talking about uh, i will tell you what i heard from a theater director uh, in these interviews so uh, so usually what happens is the the difference between theater and film so film you have variable space and variable time so you your x axis is usually time in the film and then on that axis you are basically placing different images of different spaces for theater space is constant but time is variable so uh, that person told me like i asked him how do you create Uh, your creations how do you pre visualize he's like okay i kind of imagine the stage I, i'm looking at the stage like, like a top view and then i'm imagining the stage in front of my eyes like i'm looking at it from the top and then i imagine okay for this particular scene um the actor is going to enter from this uh wing or the actor is going to enter from this wing and then he has like this think of it like z axis so he has this different uh moments in time imagined for that top view um for the entire play and then uh and then when he imagines that that's that's how it helps him direct uh, the play because now he knows that okay uh, this scene is going to take place with these actors entering from these locations and then going to happen in this area of the stage in this area of the stage so so that's how the that's that that's a big revelation for me because i never worked in a um in a space where space is constant i was always in a space where space and time both are variable so uh, since this is also a stage performance that we are talking about uh, for dance uh, do you also think uh, like this or uh, you have some other ways of uh, thinking about your performance on stage or movements mm-hmm. on stage um so i think medium dance medium is pretty much the same we have space time and energy at our disposal three hmm. main components of choreography hmm. and um, um so i i don't think i consider z axis because i don't have access to it unless i have an aerial camera an aerial view right Hmm. so i imagine my choreography uh, only on the basis of x and y axis hmm 
that's what i've done so far only one time for a shoot uh, since we had already decided that we are going to uh, put a camera on the top for the uh, the aerial view that was the one time for that particular shoot i also considered z axis and looked at my work uh, planned my work accordingly where you know like it would give a kaleidoscopic hmm. uh, effect on screen hmm. Hmm. um but it's mostly x and y axis and all that the theater director says is true even in my um, um my work it's only that i don't put it on paper hmm. honestly only a few things that are probably uh, when i when i fear that um, i might lose this uh, i put it on paper Hmm. but it's very seldom and that's also um, i think one more fact might contribute to it that i have a very solid memory hmm. especially when it comes to my work components so hmm. i don't forget stuff easily if i have one movement sequence uh, sequence in my head uh, i will remember it i will i will certainly remember it so hmm. that might be one reason why i don't put things down on paper also i have a feeling that when i put things da- down on paper um that kind of constricts me i i stop thinking there it's mm. it's like period you know done mm-hmm. uh, so that's another fear uh, i that probably uh, that probably stops me from uh, noting things down mm-hmm. it's very interesting to hear uh, these things because uh it's a different perspective in film the only reason for that is when i put things on paper that is actually a starting point for me like i mean uh, that that is a starting point for my entire team because um what i want to do is just provide a pers- my perspective to the team that this is what i think about the shot however when cinematographer uh, and the my whole idea is i'm going to give starting point to my team like okay this is how i think you should be uh, framing the shot this is how i think you should be um, acting uh, the shot but what i'm always kind of looking for and that is probably because uh, i am kind of uncertain about things myself uh, i i uh, i very much try to know what i don't want in in the shot but i don't necessarily know what i want because i <laughs> because cinematographer uh, that person himself could be a completely different science and skill level uh, and i want to put that to use as much as possible uh, so that uh, that that person can add some value and i actually want to encourage that and that's why i think of like my sketch as a starting point starting. Um, right. not, not no, an ending think... point I think I'm also thinking about a few other things here uh, when I compare dance choreography and filmmaking in mm. my mind. Mm. So when I am creating choreography uh, what are the main components if I ask myself. Mm. So it's one obviously dance the other is music and the third one is uh, stage lighting or mm. light designing mm. right? So then when I go about it mm, it can be one of the two ways either i have ready music at my disposal and i am creating choreography on it hmm. or i have choreographic ideas in my head and then i'll get music done hmm. on that choreography later on hmm. 
okay and one more component i forgot to mention is the space available to me mm, mm. right so and that's a part of the choreography i think so i'm looking at my work creating work from all these perspectives mm. right but if i look at your art it's very what should i say multi dimensional mm-hmm. uh, and there are so many different factors that I, that have to come together at a time yeah that also spontaneously or instinctively to make that art mm. right and i think that's why storyboarding is absolutely essential mm-hmm. but in my field i am the one who's making all the calls mm-hmm. i'm the i'm the only one who is right. visualizing things mm. and that's why i don't think i need to do so much detailing on paper hmm. because as it is i am not going to share the 100 100% of it with anyone hmm. you know when i share my ideas with my dancers i am not necessarily sharing everything about dance direction with them because that's hmm. not necessary hmm. or if i am sharing the idea with my music composer i am not going into technicalities of dance i'm just giving the giving giving him or her a gist of what is happening on stage mm-hmm. so they can also think independently and come up with something that probably will do value addition to my work so let let let's let's pause there so uh, you hmm. just mentioned that you are going to let's say you work you are working with a composer who is going to create music for your creation you are mm-hmm. not using a pre-recorded uh, music so in that situation how do you give the gist of what is happening on the stage to that person in what form so i'll i use two or three different forms as i said i use notes i mm-hmm. send him notes so i divide my choreography in uh, different scenes or sections yeah um, and then about each scene i'll write it down and i'll do voice voice notes hmm okay to give that person a central idea or a general idea about what is happening in this particular scene hmm. and in addition to that later on when we are when he or she is very close to creating music hmm. i'll send them the choreography video okay on just the counts the rhythmic counts that i have hmm. on which i built the choreography but then it is going to be superimposed by music hmm finally so i'll send them that video and by having a look at the video and with the reference of my notes they will be able to understand what am i trying to say through the choreography you, is But there a back and is there a back and forth that, in this yes absolutely like crazy back and forth <laughs> i can <laughs> i can't even begin to talk about back and forth how do you maintain this back and forth communication mostly on whatsapp okay okay <laughs> all right um like for example and that's the pre visualization part right that i was talking about like let's say you send that person your video then that person let's say sends you some music piece then you would superimpose that music piece on your video and see whether it works if you have any suggestions or comments or improvements you would send that person again something then that person would send something again to you or uh, when that person sends you a music uh, video and when you superimpose that may turn into some new movements uh, that you would want to uh, add to your dance so that's another back and forth and i mean all of this back and forth then 
um the challenge that i see as a creator in this I, there is tremendous back and forth me with me as well with my cinematographer and stuff i mean the challenge that i see is the more tools you use for this back and forth like let's say whatsapp google uh, i don't know youtube uh, mm. what not the more tools you use the more there is chance to lose the creative information in the transformation of the tool so the main, maintaining the integrity of creative information is difficult in this scenario only because you are trying to transform there are different types of media that's happening text is one video is one sketches is one music is one audio is one and because there are different media that are getting used for this communication between two artists um the 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 integrity of creative information is at risk sometimes at risk um i don't, I don't so. necessarily agree with you okay. i'm a woman and so obviously i talk a lot okay so i think my words are the glue between all the media that i use okay like youtube and uh, text notes this and that but i make sure that i talk on the side for example when i send my um, music composer uh, first rough draft of choreography to look at hmm. i'll make sure that i'll add my verbal comments there or i'll add a footer there hmm. you know hmm. a scroll which says ki aata ithe he hota hai you know hmm. this is happening here this is happening this is what the dancers are displaying because he is going to play mostly the video on his phone right or on his um, laptop whatever it is but that's going to as you said that is going to filter a lot of sensitivity that i have put in my choreography hmm. so i think my words play uh, the bridge here yeah so this uh, this kind of goes back to where you are saying that you are the one who is at the center of your creation and you are uh, you are calling the shots so let me ask you a question about that so do you when you are creating then uh, do you feel lonely that you are the only one who is making creative decisions oh never <laughs> okay i'm very happy that it is that way <laughs> okay. oh absolutely i have never felt lonely <laughs> um well there is one thing definitely i am always surrounded by people from whom i can get feedback okay i have my gurus i have my family uh sometimes you want to feedback from someone who doesn't understand the integrities of your art hmm. you know just a third person uh, i am surrounded by all kinds of people and i definitely go to them for feedback hmm so uh, i really don't feel lonely at all and another big uh, source of feedback is my dancers mm. my musicians my creative team they all are there for feedback but mm. um, as you they are not a direct part of the of my creative process well mm. they are a part of the creative process of the entire piece mm. but it's i think it's different than filmmaking mm -hmm. yeah sure <laughs> okay so now let's move on to the uh, post creation aspect so now you have created your creation uh, so how do you release the creation i well I, when i say release let me be more specific i i don't mean to say release meaning release in 
the public for feedback i i'm i mean release from yourself like how do you make sure that your creation is complete from your end um how do you distribute it and how do you market your creations so most of the times i create uh, art to be performed on stage hmm. and it means that it is performed more than once hmm. right uh, there will be several performances of that particular piece uh, and in that case the moment of release sometimes happens after like 10 or 15 performances oh is it okay till then i'll keep thinking for every rehearsal session i'll keep looking at my work from a very critical viewpoint i'll still make smaller changes or sometimes i'll just scrap it it's not working hmm. you know how much soever i love the idea i don't think it's coming out well but then i have that um, uh, that facility of scrapping work because it's not like scrapping a film mm-hmm. so it's, it's not as expensive as that mm-hmm. <laughs> so so i have scrapped my work uh, in the past mm, i hold on to it i keep critiquing it making small changes until there comes a point where i feel that no now this i don't think i'll need to touch it for the rest of its life hmm. and then i think that um, kind of makes the choreography uh, relatively permanent hmm. i would say because if i look at it after 10 years uh, art art is ever evolving right so after hmm. 10 years i might think that oh this is not relevant anymore i need to make changes but then at least until that time for me i have released it hmm. has it ever happened that your own creations have become your inspirations for future yes definitely especially those creations which have um which have been um well let me just think about how to phrase it i just spoke about um, a few pieces which Uh, shape up so well that you don't need to touch them or change them for quite a long period yeah. of time they are uh, relatively permanent or comparatively more permanent than others and i think those pieces are my best inspiration because to me um we know that art is very art is fleeting hmm. right and to arrest that such a what should i say um that frivolous or mm, fleeting i'm really lacking um i'm failing to find the right word it's very fickle sometimes you know and that fickleness if you want to arrest in your own medium and if you are able to do it well then i think it's a um it's something to be really proud of mm-hmm. so that kind of work that i have created in the past that has always like i keep thinking about it what made it so permanent mm. what made it so good and although i am the same one who has created it some time ago i think that it was a different person Hmm. you know because i cannot touch upon every point in that creative process unfortunately hmm. Hmm. i cannot touch upon it and that's why i keep wondering how did this idea come to me 
how did i put it so well in movements how is the flow so good how is the graph so good and that kind of sometimes keeps amazing me and at the same in the same way sometimes i'm really ashamed of myself too, hmm. for a bad creation hmm. so uh, for your creations do you keep a record of them somewhere uh, so that you could if you want to you could go back to them like for example i mean for all your creations have yes. you kept records of all your creations somewhere yes in, yes so and in what i form? have a video okay yeah earlier it was vhs then dvds now hmm. digital uh but then oh, is well, the... go ahead. hold on i also keep um, my paperwork i also save that uh paperwork as in um what is the flow of the choreography how many times does a line repeat what are the rhythmic interludes in between hmm. so i have a script ready for that i have a flow chart ready for that so i definitely save those flow charts earlier it it used to be on papers i, I used to have a file hmm. where i would just you know put all the papers together hmm. uh now i have a folder so i i do most of my work on google drive and i hmm. just save it that way so it, would you call it a template that you may be able to use for uh, multiple creations or no. is it specific very, to a creation yeah it's very specific to that per, okay, okay. that particular choreography for okay. example like your i i think i can just uh, relate it to your either i mean no not storyboard but maybe the final script of your film yeah 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 yeah, mm. yeah. okay okay great um and then let's talk a little bit about the social media aspect so how do you how do you market and distribute and market or let people know uh, about your creations and what is your process for that <laughs> you know what i'm i use social media but i don't think i am driven enough to use it hmm. i use it because i have to use it hmm. in the sense that um, for my particular field of work the best way to reach out to my audience is coincidentally social social media hmm. and so to grow my audience to reach out to them i use social media because i have just kind of realized the importance of using it for my particular field hmm. um so we just you know we use some one of the templates it, it it's nothing original i hmm. don't think i do a great job at using it or i um put aside um a certain amount of time every day to create content for social media it's none of that hmm. i just make sure that whatever i am doing that particular day i'll just take you know glimpses of that and put it um hmm. on uh, instagram or facebook more on instagram these days uh when it comes to promoting a performance um it's very typical it's nothing path breaking honestly hmm. uh you know like um announce the show through a flyer and uh, then start building the curiosity through reels and uh, uh insta live or uh, you know like just sharing thoughts behind the choreography from time to time and then slowly take the people to buying tickets hmm. <laughs> that's it <laughs> and uh were you apprehensive before uh, when you started sharing 
uh, on social media and how did you how do you uh, how did you move from that barrier to sharing every single day i wasn't apprehensive uh, for the um, the security aspect of it okay. which bugs a lot of people i wasn't apprehensive about that because anyways even now i don't share a lot of personal stuff it's mm-hmm. mostly professional mm. um i was apprehensive I, I think i was lazy more than apprehensive mm. i was just lazy to share every single day and mm. also there was a block in my mind because i didn't have enough knowledge i didn't have enough um, know how to you know to make it work then my son who is 24 now just started working in the it industry so he um, kind of gave me a sermon one day and he said this was like about <laughs> <laughs> this is 2022 right so this was around maybe 2018 and uh, he kind of gave me a standing sermon one day and he was like i you have to start using social media hmm. it is absolutely essential for your work so i was like okay fine now this guy who is uh, normally very scarce with his words and if he is saying this so intensely to me it must make sense so mm-hmm. i started using it and uh, i reaped the fruit of listening to him in covid times mm-hmm. so by 2020 i had grown decent uh, followership on instagram and facebook and um i could use that to promote my online master classes hmm. or you know online lectures during covid because i did quite a few of them and they were all received very well thanks hmm. to my social media presence hmm. so i'm glad that i didn't start using it during covid i started using it a couple of years hmm. before hmm. so i could benefit from it during this during the tough times a uh, quick question about that distance learning program that you do uh, mm. how do you maintain all the information uh, about mm. it like do you use what, what do you use which tools do so you that's use that's a yeah that's a very good question because i think distance learning program demands uh, the technology the right. most in right. whatever i do so i'll just quickly walk you through the process of uh, making those videos and distributing them so, mm. like from start to end uh, so i um, shoot my videos on my iphone hmm. and uh, then i use i movies to edit it hmm. i upload them on youtube as private links hmm. and then i uh, circulate it in my students um, through email hmm. uh, i keep a track of the contents of the video uh in spreadsheets on google drive hmm. and i keep uh, track of very minute things like what did i practice in the video what did i teach new and which dress did i wear hmm. so i have a dro- i use dropbox for sharing uh, content so on my dropbox i have a folder where i have one screenshot of every video which tells me which dress i wore hmm. because i want to make sure that i don't repeat the same colors Hmm. Uh, in back to back videos and i want to uh, bring some variety there so that's um, another uh, thing uh, recording whatever i do and then um, the pattern of distance learning program is such that uh, it's 7 plus 1 model 
so seven asynchronous videos hmm. which are delivered in the way i just uh, said hmm. and the eighth video is on zoom uh, eighth class is on zoom okay, okay. where i'm actually correcting students making them practice and doing improvements and all that so for that class local students uh, from from the bay area they show up at the studio in person and at the same time uh, global uh, student group uh, joins zoom so i practice with them together at hmm. that time hmm. Hmm. so that is how and then uh, the most of the uh, usual quick communication with all the student group happens on whatsapp so uh do you run this in batches or every single student is on here his or her her uh, separate trajectory so i started in batches uh, but earlier this year i opened it up so i also have a bunch of students who are on their own trajectory how do you maintain their progress uh, which tool do you use to maintain their progress just spreadsheet but that means you need to be on top of it all the time right uh, like uh, this person has probably seen three videos this person has probably seen five videos like how do you maintain their track oh okay so i am a pretty old school that way because uh, i have to check whatever they've learned in the seven videos i check it every eighth time right hmm. and that class is a very long two and a half hour class where everybody joins even the like all different batches together and the idea is that uh, the advanced batches also should be able to start from the from the basic level and practice everything one more time because uh, in in the usual flow of things they are not able to do it uh, hmm. on a regular basis hmm. and um, i just now every all the students already know that whatever they have learned like whatever number of lessons they practice that much and then they turn off their video so so i am only working with the students who have done those particular classes i'm very okay. sorry for the noise we have some work going on that's okay uh okay so uh two questions now um last questions so one is What so by the... the way, what, what, whatever I said, did I did it make sense to you about everybody joining classes together and then dropping off? Yeah, so off? I think yeah, I think what you are doing is your eighth class is your anchor point. So um, hmm. correct. So until that, okay. uh, some people might have finished seven videos earlier. Some people might have correct. finished seven videos right before the class, something like correct. that. Correct. Okay. Correct. So your eight. So and that that way you could keep track of uh, your uh, students. um what is the biggest challenge you face in your creation process and when i say creation process i mean right from the inspiration to release and marketing like entire end to end process think about it like that and what is the biggest challenge you face in that process um i think uh, unfortunately my biggest challenge is um, taking my art to a decent number of people hmm. you know on the one hand i have thousands of followers on social media and who are looking forward to my next video and thousands of views on uh, my reels and stuff like that like hundreds of thousands sometimes but in reality when i announce a show in the bay area 
I have to be happy with a 300 odd audience number, right? And that's pretty much the reality of Indian classical art forms everywhere in the world. Hmm. Even in India, if I announce a show, uh, it gets sold out, but then the number of audience over there is 700, 800, hmm. 900 max. Hmm. But that's nothing as compared to the population of India, hmm. right? So the number of people who are inclined towards hmm. Indian classical arts, Indian hmm. classical dance and music. is always been very limited and i think that is because of the uh, highly technical abstract and intellectual uh, lining that the art yeah. form has always had yeah uh, right from its its inception throughout the evolution until today yeah um that's something that i really can't help because i was trained by masters and i cannot dilute my art uh, beyond a certain uh, point just so people at large understand it or find it attractive mm. uh, that's my um, that's my limitation that i'm trained too well to do that <laughs> so uh, so that's my biggest uh, hurdle that's that's my biggest disappointment i i, I should say Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I also feel uh, kind of same way about in general in anything that comes from India, art form, food, anything like that, because it is we have this tradition of like thousands and thousands of years, and that's where so much thinking and uh, so much uh, creation has gone into making this so mature uh, that if we want to explain that to someone outside. of indian uh, continent then what happens is uh, we think that this person in front of us should also understand the complexity that we already it's so simple in our heads but it is not so um, so th- there is tremendous process that has to happen to simplify it uh, for someone Uh, who has not gone through that complexity before? Uh, same thing that I experienced when I made Shanks, uh, the food film. Uh, if you have, a, a, if you have a thali in front of you, you know how to eat it because it's it it is for us. It is very natural that we we know how to go through uh, different courses on the thali because it's like a combination of like seventeen courses in front of us. But we know. uh the uh, audience that's outside india who has not seen thali won't know so then you need to break it down and that's why i had it in in the film that okay it has a, it is a 11 course dinner so then you ha- you start with like first course second course third course and it's uh, i mean as for me it was a great learning experience while making that film because i never thought of uh, like pangti sa jevan as 11 course dinner right but it is actually that uh they, but there is so much thinking has gone it like we only see the climax of it which is thari and uh the people outside india need to see how it came about anyway that's so true but on this note i have to compliment you on making that film because when i saw when i watched chance i didn't know you <laughs> and uh, we just sat and watched it and we were so amazed and later on when i actually met you Then I realized that this is a fiction. This is not based on <laughs> on some real chef, and I think that's the biggest compliment you can give. <laughs> yeah. 
um and the last question is uh what is the vision that you have for your creations and I, what i mean uh, what i want to actually get at is with the tools and technology that you see around you right now how do you see yourself creating in future do you see yourself answer... creating something different i mean in in some different manner go ahead i want to explore uh I want to explore working in front of camera more hmm. in future. Hmm. Um, what fascinates me is filmmaking. <laughs> what you do, what you do fascinates me. Hmm. And there's a reason behind it. So the kind of nature that my art has, sometimes it fails to take across very, very subtle nuances or very hmm. subtle expressions. Hmm. to the audience hmm. uh, and that's especially because um, there are no words and there is there isn't a technique of taking the audience very close and deciding for themselves what to watch hmm. that's exactly what a camera does right yeah. you show the audience what to watch correct so i want to have that privilege so i can tell people what to watch in the choreography that's okay. what i want to do in future great all right uh, thanks a lot shambhavi it was a it was great talking with you thank you very much for your time thank you very much it was very love lovely and thought provoking for me to be a part of this conversation great thanks for tuning in if you are a creator i would love to talk with you please connect with me through my website or social media See you in the next episode.